Greetings, this is Kurt. Here we continue with the third and largest portion of Book One, Enchanter's Lot. If this is your first visit to the Harkin Theater, we recommend you step back and find the first episode of Prelude, The Hostage Prince. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, share, and follow on your favorite platform. We'd like to hear from you. Simply send comments, compliments, and questions to our email. If you care to be a benefactor and help in keeping these complex productions coming, it's very easy. Just buy me a coffee via the website coffee.com listed with the description of each episode. And thank you truly for listening. Step through the gateway and enter the universe of the Harkin Theater. This is episode 13. The Harkin Theater presents the sound plays of A Bridge of Doom by Kurt Paul Hotelling. Book One, Part Three, Enchanter's Lot. Chapter 15 After a long draft of the smooth, fruity liquid, Flana lowered her tankard. <sighs> Memory of the thieves faded with the ebbing pain in her jaw. <laughs> it's good to see you enjoy something. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. Gaywan's eyes widened. Well, to be perfectly honest, shape-changing makes me ravenous. Considering the energy consumed by his body shifting from one form to another and then back again, she understood his appetite. After the abuse she had suffered at the hands of the thieves... I wish I, too, could shape change. Well, considering Gaywan's fever and anguish... This helped her to discard the idea, and she surveyed the busy tavern from their small table near one of the windows. Despite his hunger, the enchanter had chosen one of the private tables rather than a bread-and-stew board, making clear his desire to be alone with her and separate from the other patrons. A shadow fell over their table. Gawan looked up and nodded with recognition. Oh, pleasant evening to you, Garnet. He accepted the marshal's burly hand in his own. Indeed, it just may be a good evening. How's the lady? He leaned over to inspect her face. That's quite a badge for beating off those four worms. Having seen him only briefly before, Flana took the opportunity to scrutinize the royal officer. His dark hair was straight, shiny, and long, except where it was just beginning to thin at the crown. 
Contrasting this sharply was the bushy red beard jutting out from his chin. His brooding brown eyes glinted with a combination of alertness and amusement. Several pouches clung to the baldric wrapping his waist and crossing his chest. Over his tanned leather tunic, a wine-colored tabard bearing the king's insignia hung from the shoulders, and a finely crafted broadsword with the royal seal evident on the ball of its hilt hung at his side. Glad to be of service. Don't take offense, Blaina. He squinted an eye at her. I meant what I said. The last two women to cross paths with these worms ended up raped and beaten. Why weren't they arrested with that occurrence? He grimaced with annoyance and straightened. The women were too scared to testify, and we had no witnesses, even though we knew damned well who'd done it. After tonight, they won't be hurting anyone again. Three of them received the honor of lifelong service to the Crown when the next ship comes into port. The press gangs have been a little hungry for warm bodies lately. The fourth one, well... He grinned, making his beard bristle, then winked at Gaywan. It seems he managed to irritate a wild animal. I'll be surprised if he survives the night. He chose not to mention his temptation to ignore a proposed lynching, a handful of town citizens wanting justice served before the royal magistrate made his regular visit. Care to sup with us? Now that's a handsome offer. But I'll have to decline supper as I'm expecting my deputy soon. I will, however, have a drink and a chat with you. He turned to snap his fingers at one of the barkeepers, then pulled up a chair from another table and sat down between Gaywan and Flaina. I have some information regarding a mutual concern of ours. Gaywan deciphered the intent in Garnett's expression. Calron then found satisfaction in the marshal's surprise. And then, you know... The leader had knowledge of a secret possession of mine something only my friends and Calron know about. I've been expecting him, but not so soon. Garnet settled back in his seat as the barkeep arrived with a tankard of ale for him. So have I. The worms that attacked you won't talk, except to mention Calron as their benefactor. But that's not what worries me. He scowled thoughtfully. When I mentioned the press gangs to them, they seemed almost relieved. One of them muttering something to the effect of... At least we won't be here. Gaywan raised an eyebrow. I would think your lockup is a far better place to rot than slaving on a ship for the rest of their lives. Aye, one would think. Garnet leaned forward to take a long pull from his tankard, wiping his mouth with the back of his hand when he was done. He stopped and stared at the table above Flaina's lap for a moment, seeing a pair of golden brown eyes peering at him, then reached over to pat Glink lightly between the ears. <laughs> How snoops, little fellow. I like your ward mate, Gaywan. He looks like my little girl's cat. Flaina was impressed with the marshal's knowledge of ward mates and his apparent respect for Gaywan's craft. Hmm. Also, she noticed that the two men regarded each other in a manner much like family, much like father and son. Her opinion of Garnet went up several notches. So, what's wrong with here? Hmm. Where those worms are concerned, the only thing wrong with here is my law. We're the only trading control in the old realm of Rue, and we've got a constabulary of deputies and fighters that would make the King's Royal Guard stand up and take notice. The entire inland region looks to us for stability and protection. 
How far out does your protection reach? She was thinking of her family's village, more than eight days' ride distant. To the second outposting circle. Oh yes, you're from one of the outpost villages, aren't you? Huh? How did you know? He smothered a smile with a sip from his ale. It's a marshal's duty to know everything about everyone in his town. Turning to Gaywan again. What will you do about Calron? He leaned back and crossed his arms as he regarded his friend. <clears throat> Whenever you ask a question like that, it means you have a suggestion. Of course. Hmm. What will I do? I'm not sure yet. I need to throw some wild cards at him. Get a better stance. This is twice that he's tried to strike at me from a distance. And not just you. Garnett's fingers tightened around the handle of his tankard. These four hirelings of his demonstrate his connection to the circle of thieves in this area, and that bothers me. He's like a scourge of rats at night. By the time you know he's chewed a hole in the ball, he's gone. I see what you mean. Well, Gawan looked pointedly at Flana. If nothing else, I plan to travel. Leave the immediate area for a little while. Make him wonder where I've gone. Garnett leaned closer. What direction? What do you suggest? Southwest. My scouts are too busy with the other areas to afford a few days patrolling that road. With that mage's ugly hand turning up in town, I have a feeling something's brewing, and I've learned to respect my premonitions. What are your scouts so busy doing? Settling back again, he reached into one of the pouches on his baldric and pulled out a long pipe. Being from an outpost, I suppose you aren't aware of our usual situation at the end of harvest here in the old realm. From another pouch came cured smoking leaf that he absently stuffed into the bowl of his pipe. It's the last of the yield, and most of the farmhands are stocking bins, cradling crops, and so on, leaving only a few helpers, if any, to keep an eye out for raiders. Our scouts are hired out to keep guard on the perimeter of the farmlands until the harvest is secure. I won't have more than my town constables for almost a moon. Garnett tucked his pipe away and drained his tankard. That's the evening patrol. I have to meet with them before going home. Standing, he gripped Gawain's shoulder with affectionate camaraderie. Let me know when you plan to travel. Certainly. The marshal turned to wink at Flana. Keep an eye on him, girl. I've learned a good woman at one side can be better than many a sharp sword. Surprised by the unexpected compliment, hmm. Flana could only blink and smile at him as he marched out the tavern doors. That's nice of him. <laughs> I think he likes you with me. He doesn't offer compliments easily. But this is the first time I've ever spoken with him. He's a very perceptive man, of course. Meanwhile, Thank their you. supper arrived. Mmm. The enchanter smiled at her, then grabbed a spoon and started into the thick beef stew that had been brought to their table. Unable to think of anything else to say regarding Garnett, Flana followed suit. Hmm. Mm. After a few moments, however, a gentle paw on her arm reminded her of Glink still sitting in her lap. Oh. She looked down to meet his imploring gaze. I forgot about you. I didn't. Gawan pulled a chunk of meat out of his bowl and handed it to her to give to the mudcat. 
Glink snatched it from her fingers, jumped to the floor beside her chair, and, holding it between his front paws like a squirrel, nibbled it hungrily. How often do you feed him? She tore some bread off the small loaf sitting between them. Mm, pretty much whenever he asks. Six or seven times a day. I carry some dried meat with me if there's nothing fresh on hand. He's intelligent enough not to let himself get fat. Mm. They returned to their supper and said nothing more until they were finished, the busy tavern providing ample diversion while they ate. When they got up from the table, he left a few coppers for the serving girl, then took Flaina's hand in his own as they headed for the stairs. Nudging a couple of the tavern cats out of the way near the hearth, they climbed the steps leisurely, feeling the warm, pungent atmosphere of the great room rising with them. Glink lingered behind to bump noses with his cousins. The hallway of the upper floor was lit warmly by hanging lamps, lending an aura of familiarity similar to the great room below. Stopping at her room... Care to tuck me in for the night? Twould be my pleasure. He lifted a wick from the small box next to her door and kindled it with flame from one of the hanging lamps, then followed her inside. Glink, who had been lagging behind, sniffing here and there, bounded into the room just as Gaywan lit the candle next to her bed, then hopped onto the bed and started kneading a pillow with his paws. <laughs> Looks like someone wants to keep me company tonight. She stroked his back. We'll stay for a little while, if you like, though I would imagine you're rather tired. Not really. She leaned over to look at a spot on his tunic, hmm. taking a hold of it and pulling him down to sit beside her as she rubbed a moist finger on the small stain. Hmm. We shall have to get your clothes washed tomorrow. A regular baths would be nice for both of us now that we can afford it. He suppressed a wince. Hmm. Hot baths, yes. And tree soap for my hair. She noticed the dirt and smudges covering a large area of her waist hmm. sashes banner. Crab nails. Then tossed her hands with casual dismay and loosened the laces in her bodice. I suppose I'll get some new ones tomorrow. Some new what? He dug into a pocket of his breeches and extracted a piece of folded parchment. Skirts and sashes. Whatever you want, you know that. He unfolded the paper and perused its contents. What's that? Some notes I copied from one of those old books in the vault. Legends of various artifacts related to the dragons. I'm hoping to find mention of the crystal, though it's hard to decipher anything precise from their meaning. That's why they're called legends, silly. She pulled the parchment out of his hands and placed it aside. If you study any more, your face will lock into that terrible scowl. He folded his hands in his lap. Then what would you like to talk about? Oh, cottages and forests and such. Why don't we build a tree lodge like the ones my mother used to tell me about? Hmm. We'd need a tree first, and there are none here large enough. Then we'll go find one. You said you wanted to leave town for a while. Sounds like a good idea. He fell back on the bed and <sighs> gazed with mild fatigue at the rafters in the ceiling supporting the wooden shingles of the roof. Is that what you really want? She leaned back and propped herself on an elbow as she looked at him. If I did, would you do it? <laughs> I'll give you anything, my beautiful elf. 
She reached a hand over and fingered his lips delicately. In that case, might you kiss my ear again, like you did this afternoon? Despite her unexpected request, a warmth of desire rose quickly in his blood, mm. and he turned his attention upon her closeness. When did she open her bodice? The skin beneath looked inviting, different somehow, than when he had undressed her before to check her for wounds. But then, she had been asleep at the time, and he had been distracted with the newness of his philosanthropy. Oh. Realizing he should offer a reply, he blinked away his fascination with the loosened laces framing the cleavage beneath her bodice. Of course, and anything else your heart desires. Shifting on his side, he leaned over and planted a light kiss on her delicately mm. tapered ear. She shivered with a delight and moved even closer to embrace him. Resting a hand on her waist, he pressed his mouth to hers and relished in the first passionate kiss they had shared in more days than he cared to count. She wriggled sensually, her back arching as she became more aroused, her tongue tentatively seeking his. Soon she broke away from his mouth and started kissing his neck. Yes. For an instant, the image of Vyrie surfaced in his memory, know, but he dashed it away quickly, knowing this was different. Unlike the lusty queen, Flaina didn't want to use him. She loved him and wanted to share herself with him. He slid his hand up from her waist and toyed with her laces for a moment, admiring the glimmers of her naked flesh reflected in the unwavering candlelight. Yes, yes, touch me. Needing no further urging, he meticulously untied her bodice the rest of the way, enjoying the anticipation of seeing her breasts rise with each breath she took. Folding it aside, he first rubbed her smooth, level stomach, to which she responded with a nibble on his earlobe, mm -hmm. then slid fingertips up to her breasts to make teasing circles over them. They were soft yet firm, her half-elfin figure having the slender and grace of her elfin blood, and a taut, almost boyish quality from her human blood. Where some might have found her less than ample, he found her beautiful and alluring. Meanwhile, Flaina had unlaced his tunic and, between shudders of delight with his caressing, made her way across his shoulder with small kisses. Get one? Yes. We've bonded in every way but one. Take me. Feeling momentarily uncomfortable, what with the fight in the alley and the talk earlier about rape, he looked into her eyes. Are you certain? She drew slender fingers across his bare chest, catching some of the fine hair and tugging it gently. Stay with me tonight. Share love with me. She reached up to brush her lips across his. I wish it only with thee. Hmm. And I wish it only with thee. Reassured by her confidence, he relaxed and turned his head to blow out the candle on the bed table. <sighs> Glink... Hearing his master's call, uncurled himself, hopped off the pillows, and went to the windowsill. Where's he going? Her eyes were closed as she relished in Gaewan's kiss on her ears. To give us some privacy. 
She delighted in his knowledge of love-sharing in the elfin manner. Mm. She had always fantasized about being loved in the custom her mother had described, instead of the vulgar practice of men impregnating their women. And yet... The human method can be just as beautiful when done with affection and not for domination or selfishness. As if reading her thoughts, he stopped caressing her for a moment. In what manner? Woman or elfin? Taking his hand in her own, she pressed her mouth into his palm. I love you, and I trust you. A tasteful combination of both. She allowed him to roll her onto her back. Mm. He moved gently over her and lowered his head to kiss her breasts as she arched Mm. up to meet him. Watching the two of them in the darkness for a moment, the mudcat curled up on the windowsill and turned his attention to the waning moon rising over the trees. Chapter 16 A thin layer of early morning mist hovered over the cobblestones as Clough made his way down the street toward the brass dragon. He had taken a long walk around the grazing field where their horses were checking on each one. After Thasgar and Gon's tale of the outlaw attack on Gawon and Flaina last night, he knew his love brother would want to be on the move soon. Gawon was not one to simply sit and wait for the next axe to fall. Obviously, Calron was near Hopetown, if not in it somewhere. Leaving would make it difficult for him to target the Gawon again, and just might draw the Dark Mage out of his hiding place. Clough was looking forward to a warm cup of spiced tea in the tavern's great room to ward off the dawn chill as he picked up his pace, his boots clumping solidly along the cobblestones. Ahead of him, stepping out of a side street, moved two silhouettes in the mist, their faces just discernible by the brightening morning light. Seeing the men stop directly in his path, he slowed and looked them over, finding them unfamiliar. One of them, a stern-looking fellow with long, dark hair, shifted his cloak over his shoulder, revealing a sword hanging at his side. The other, to his mild surprise, was an elf, his head swathed in abundant chestnut hair. Who goes? The one with a grim expression scrutinized him. Clough rested a hand on the hilt of his sword beneath his cloak, but maintained a casual stance. This is a common street, sir, not a gateway. I will pass as I choose. He made to walk around them, but was again blocked as they sidestepped into his path. The dark-haired fellow in front, his elfin associate two steps behind him. It was a simple question, mate. Your intention seems anything but simple. What is your quarrel with me? None with you, unless you be friend to a rogue we seek. He grinned roughly and moved a step closer. Clough frowned with mild perplexity at the subdued belligerency. What sort of rogue? A mage who hires others to waylay travelers. We were told you would know where to find him. This mage called Gawan. With widening eyes, Clough moved back a few paces, ready to toss his cloak aside in order to unsheathe his blade. Your tale sounds complex, and I fear you have been misled. Gawan is my friend, but he is not a highway robber. 
He fully expected a challenge to come forth, but instead, the fellow tilted his head slightly and regarded him strangely with eyes black as pitch. Will you take us to meet your friend, then? Taken aback at the request, Clough blinked silently, then glanced at the elf, who merely stood his place, watching him warily. The morning is early yet, and he won't be rising for a while. He wanted to allow for Gaywan and Flaina to recuperate, and wasn't certain if he should mention they were recovering from an attack of thieves last night. Care you to breakfast with me until he does? A nod passed between the two of them, and the dark-haired fellow stepped back, the tension that had surrounded them melting like the mist. Perhaps. We were assaulted on the road southwest of here by a small band of outlaws. Once we subdued them, they confessed to being led by a mage named Gaywan, who hired them to rob travelers on their way to Hopetown. Not wanting to be encumbered, we took their weapons and left them there, figuring to come here and deal with their leader. Relaxing, his sword hand at his side, Clough shifted his stance and raised an eyebrow. Hmm, sounds like someone wants to get my friend into a lot of trouble. Someone we seek to bring to justice. Ah, someone familiar to you. Unfortunately, we should discuss what seems to be a mutual goal. My invitation to breakfast still stands. He looked again at his elfin ally, who nodded deferentially, then turned back to Clough. We will meet with you later this morning. Come to the Brass Dragon on the northeast side of town. And with that... Man and Elf marched off into the dissipated mist, leaving Clough to wonder what other unpleasant surprises Calron had set for them. Golden and ruby warmth of the morning suns awoke Flaina from her dreams, and she blinked eyes at the wash of intense light flooding the room. She caught the musty, cool scent of the cobblestones, contending with the warm smells of baking bread wafting through the window. Gaywan's body next to hers under the blanket was a comfortable sensation, and she shifted closer to him. The entire experience was new to her, having always slept alone, and though the subconscious sting of the unfamiliar made her a little apprehensive, she found, I like it very much. And from the many sweet things Gaywan had said to her last night, amidst their seemingly endless love-sharing, she knew... I'll never have to sleep alone again. Her heart swelled with affection, renewed by the morning. She slid her arm gently across his chest, rested her head on his shoulder, and listened to his slow, steady breathing as he slept on. A horse and wagon rattled by in the street below the window. Noticing some weight on the blanket near her feet, she looked to see Blink curled up at the foot of the bed, his back pressing against where Gaywan's ankles were outlined by the blanket. Sensing her movement, the mudcat raised his head and blinked at her with sleepy brown eyes. Gaywan stirred at that point. Flana propped herself on an elbow and waited for him to surface from the last vestiges of his slumber. With his features clearly illuminated by the sunlight, she took the opportunity to study him fully. His brown hair was flattened somewhat where he had been sleeping on it, but his curls remained fast. She admired his pleasingly round ears and wondered at the difference from her own. 
elves referred to our tapered ears as marks of divine illumination, demonstrating our closeness in spirit. Yet this man, and many others I've met, is no less spiritual than a few elves I've known, including Mother. Tucking away the questions that arose for later when she might speak with Aunt Louis, she returned to her scrutiny of the man she loved. His high cheekbones accentuated his eyes, his strong, straight nose, and his firm chin. Unlike many men, he kept his face clean-shaven, traditional among scholars and mystics, it seemed. I wonder how he would look with a beard. Spurred by the fresh memories of their love-sharing, she leaned over and touched her mouth lightly to his. He stirred again and fluttered eyelids. His eyes flashed silver for an instant. Flaina's blood went cold. But as he blinked awake, they appeared normal again, making her wonder if she had seen anything at all. Has this not happened before? Perhaps they reflected the sunlight for a moment. And again, perhaps not. What's happening to him? No! She flung her arms around him. Love? Bewildered from just waking, he clumsily stroked her hair. What is it? They cannot have all of you. Taking her arms in his hands, he loosened her hold enough to look into her face. What are you talking about? Seeing his worried expression, she wondered if she was being foolish, but searched his eyes again. Is this the man I love? Orbs of bright blue with flecks of gold returned her gaze intently. Reassured but uncertain, she hugged close to him again. T'was nothing. A bad dream, maybe. Are you all right? Lifting her head, she flashed her brightest smile, despite her inner fears. I'm alone with you, aren't I? He cast a glance at the mud cat, watching them both from the foot of the bed. <laughs> Almost. As he is a part of you, Blink is included. The mud cat squeezed his eyes in reply. Did you sleep well? Of course, but I do have a question for you. Did I do something wrong? No, no. She smiled amorously and kissed him lightly. Not at all. You are a wonderful lover. I just wanted to know why you've waited so long to share love with me. Has it been that long? His eyes wandered as he reflected on their time together so far. Almost two moons. But I haven't been counting. It's just that where most men can't wait to take a woman to bed, you did wait until now. Why? I sought a companion, not just a bed partner, as I told you when we first met. I didn't want to scare you or make you feel I thought of you as less than you are. Intimacy was something I wanted you to initiate. I hope I haven't made you feel somehow inadequate or something. Of course not. I was just curious. Pleased that her self-regard wasn't as fragile as another woman's might be. He smiled and pulled her close to kiss her ear lightly. I love you, Flaina. She shifted her body fully onto his beneath the covers and slid legs over his. Yes, love me.